spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. This week on Max Mike Movies, we got an episode you can't refuse to listen to. Campagnola, Quanta Costa, Como si dice in Italiano, Giuseppe Verdi, Mike, the Travia- Mike, uh, what? Stop. What? Just stop. What? You can't, you can't do Brando. I'm sorry. But I do. You cannot do Brando. It's not working. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I got caught up in the moment. <laughs> I, I understand, but no. Just no. Welcome to... Uh, oh, sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> take the cotton balls out of your mouth. <clears throat> this may take a while. <laughs> I swallowed one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyway, welcome to Max Mike yeah. Movies, the podcast that begs the question, what is up with Zangief's ass? What is up with Zangief's Everything. ass? Everything. We finish up our latest series, I've been meaning to see that, by delving deeply into a lesser-known art house movie, The Godfather. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I remember. That was, like, very limited release. Almost on no that. one saw it. Um, believe it or not, I hadn't seen it. Max had. I don't believe For it. For reasons. And stuff! Mm. 47 years later, does it hold up to the hype, or is it just another in a long line of Jim Varney vehicles that fails to deliver? <laughs> I am the... <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> you know, Jim Varney. Vern. <laughs> you don't remember Jim Varney? I don't remember Jim Varney in The Godfather. Uh, he was the star. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I am the host that talks too much, Mike Luce, and that is the host with the erudite smile and the one-two punch, Max Ludafisk Levine. Yo. Now, business. If you are listening business. to our podcast, did you find it on the Google or the iTunes podcast app? Well, you know you can. Or are you getting it from our website where you can listen to all our past and current episodes for free? And at the same time, where you can also leave comments if you like. And we like. That's it. We like. Max, 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 Mike, uh, MaxMikeMovies.com. I can see why you, you got it wrong. We've only said it 11 billion and times. My idea. Um, you can mm-hmm. also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Max Mike Movies. <laughs> and um, uh, you can listen to us right now. How about yeah. that? You can listen to it now. This is us. We're live. Well, I'm live. Max was brought in. Oh, oh get out. You're <laughs> Go lying. take off, eh? You're totally dead, eh? All right, so. We, we apologize to Rick, Mar- for, to Rick Moranis and company and uh, Second City TV for stealing the and material. And company. You can't remember his name, can you? I can't. Um, I'm blanking. Who is? Doug McKenzie. Who? I yeah. don't remember either. Oh, God. <laughs> he was really funny. I cannot. I am blanking completely. I'm so sorry. Thank you, other Canadian performers. Guy. <laughs> right. So this week we are in fact speaking about The Godfather, the first one. I know there's three, or four if you count the TV series. No, there aren't. There are two. That good, huh? There there are two. Right. Uh, So this film has, as you might guess, all the trivia ever written for films, ever. All of it. The show. I picked out the best, or at least what I thought was the most interesting, or at least the most appropriate. Yeah, the, the trivia, I assume, would could be the whole show. Oh, dear gods, it went on and on and on. Yeah. And, I, and I wanted to, but didn't have time to go and read about Mario Puzo, yeah. or to read more about Francis Ford Coppola, but we'll get to all that later. Mm-hmm. Um, the budget was $6 million, which for the time was no small chunk of change. Uh, remember, a little film that came out a few years later called Star Wars cost 8 yeah, That this being was uh, said, 72, right? <laughs> Yeah. 72. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess they probably started in 1970. Yeah. Uh, the take over time, admittedly, this is over the last, excuse me, 47 years, 245 million. So I think yeah. they had something of a hit on their hands. Yeah, I, I think you could say that was successful. <laughs> uh, this answered one of my burning questions. Uh, the weird stuffed face look of Marlon Brando mm-hmm. was because he wanted his character to look like a bulldog. While he auditioned, like that he really needed to, uh, so if one can call it that, he did so with cotton in his mouth. But once he got the part, they had a special dental piece made for him. Yeah, that's it's apparently not... it's on display somewhere. Which it's is... in the Smithsonian. Is that where it is? Yep. Yay. <laughs> um, the absolutely wonderful cat in the opening scene was <laughs> oh, just yeah. a stray that they found in the Paramount lot. Apparently, his purring was so loud it drowned out some of Brando's <laughs> dialogues, which had to be looped later. Yeah. 
That was like Aww. the best cat ever. Was so that cute. cat was like, pet me, pet me, pet me. He even grabs Brando's hand. He's like, no, 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 more, more, more. Yep, yep. So, yeah, there needs to be more with that cat in it. That darn cat. Mm. Uh, Paramount did not have faith in Coppola and threatened to have him replaced for going over budget and over schedule. Eventually, the movie was brought in under both. Mm-hmm. And, it, of course, it made them a ton of clams. Yep. <laughs> One of Marlon's I don't memorize lines I read from cue card rolls. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I mean, hey, it worked for him. It I did. Guess. I bet it annoyed the crap out of the other actors. Like, How come I don't get that? Because you're not Marlon friggin' Brando. That's why. So, you know who else was up for this part? Uh, yes, indeed. I do know it. And he, Wait, well, he, he would go people. to no mattress before it's time. Well, no, that's one of the people. But yeah. actually, the, the person they kind of wanted first, and it was a toss-up, they basically said, well, who are the two greatest actors right now in the world? Marlon Brando mm-hmm. and... Jim Varney? Uh, yeah. Oh, you guessed it! <laughs> no, who, it's it, the one you consider the greatest actor uh, of his time. Lawrence Olivier? Yep, apparently he was oh, too sick wow. to take on the role. But could you imagine that? I think it would have been equally as powerful in a totally different way. It would have been a completely different movie. Oh my yeah. god. But, as oh, you wow. hinted... Yeah, the other one was Orson Welles. Orson Welles really wanted the part. Coppola already had Brando in mind, but again, what an amazing film that would have been. Oh, I don't know if it would brother. have been as yeah. good. I don't know. It would have... it... Apparently, he, he did uh, offer to lose a lot of weight for the film. Um, but that, it just was like, no, nah, I want I, I want Brando. So, um, Al Pacino, who mm-hmm. plays Michael, the, mm-hmm. the youngest son, his grandparents were from... Corleone, Sicily, just like the fictional family was. (laughs) Um, And he actually had some reticence for doing the part because he didn't want to make Italian-Americans look bad. Um, And we'll get to that. Mm. Supposedly, the role of Johnny Fontaine was not based on Frank Sinatra, even though most (coughs) people, including an irate Uh Frank, thought it was. Yeah. Uh, Because of Frank uh, basically picking a lawsuit, uh, his part was reduced from the novel to the film because of Frank being We can talk about that, but of course <laughs> it was Frank Sinatra, for God's sake. I mean, the sake. Bobby Soxers and everything. Oh, it's, seriously. It's and the movie, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. The movie with, with that uh, Jacob Waltz, uh, Jack Waltz that he wants to be. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. That no, was friggin' not, Frank Sinatra. Yes, Waltz, not Warner. He wasn't, or, nope, or nope. Louis B. Mayer, because he was actually based on both of them, but. Uh, guess how many days it took to shoot the film? Well, it's cheating because I read about that. It took 62. Or 77. I actually saw both. Oh, but okay. either way, yeah, that's amazing. a film of this size in two months, and especially because it was shot partially in Sicily. So, you know. And, uh, and to be fair, Coppola did have kind of a reputation for going long. Yep. But in this case, he managed to pull it off. Uh, He will, however, blow that reputation back out of proportion when he comes to do Apocalypse Now. Although, to be fair, the hurricane really wasn't his fault. That was not his fault, no. (laughs) No, no. That was Marlon Brando's fault. Yes, it was, because he was a blowhard. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, In a weird turn of events, the original director's cut was nearly 50 minutes shorter than the final version. Oh, man. That doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. Uh, And the studio wanted a lot more footage of the family to help Mm. explain things. So they were like, make it longer. And he's like, okay. Um, The the, uh, gangster in Las Vegas, Mo Green, I'm sure Mm. you knew who he was supposed to be. Oh, yeah. He was supposed to be Bugsy Siegel, oh boy, which suddenly makes a lot of sense. Interestingly, the actor who played him was very Italian and was worried about playing a Jewish person, where two of the Jewish actors playing Italians had no problem with this. Yeah. This James Caan and Abe Vigoda. Yep. Yep. I love it that Fish the Gangster. <laughs> oh, we'll be coming back to that. Uh, Sergio Leone was one of the original directors approached for this film. Oh, Talk wow. about a totally different film. Oh, boy. Would there have been so much more shooting? <laughs> um, Robert Duvall, who I did not recognize for the entire film, wow. and whom I first noted down in my notes as having the worst hairpiece ever made, has only made one comment about his performance in this film. That comment? I wish they would have made a better hairpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I stared at him and did not see him at all. Not oh. once did I see Robert Duvall. But there you go. Uh, the film rights for this were purchased when the novel was only an outline. Whoa. Yeah. Somebody had so, foresight. Somebody did. Uh, Mario Puzo, who wrote the novel and also co-wrote the screenplay, would go on to write another famous screenplay, 
that or at least the original screenplay for the 1978 Superman film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, in a three throwback to one of our previous episodes, at one point Paramount threatened to replace Coppola with Elia Kazan. Huh. Or Elia, I'm sorry. We, we never did get that right. Yeah. <clears throat> you got it right. I probably got it yeah. wrong. Uh, I apologize for getting something else wrong. <laughs> and I will be apologizing later in the episode. Uh, Brando <laughs> said he'd quit if they fired Coppola, so they relented. Wow. Somehow they didn't know or had forgotten about Kazan's tes testimony to the House Un-American Committee and its effect on those in Hollywood. Brando did not. Yeah, a lot of other people didn't either. That's We talked about that. This one I saw but couldn't verify. Uh, I am surprised if it's true, but apparently George Lucas is one of the co-editors of the film. Whoa. The two co-editors Was he, 11 years old? No, and actually he and Coppola were, were close friends. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, uh, there was that period in the film where they're showing all these, what were obviously real old black and white photos of yeah. gangsters having been gunned down. Yeah, Lucas put together that song. Oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, they were friends. Hmm. I think, what was it? Uh, Coppola, he did something on THX 1138. I can't remember what it was, but he hmm. was involved with that. So they were buds. Hmm. Um, it did win Best Picture for 1972. It won Marlon Brando his second Best Actor Award, and it got the award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah, so in but a way, uh, Miss uh, Al Pacino wasn't too happy that year. He boycotted well, the Oscars also. He was pissed because he was up for Best Supporting Actor, and he thought, well, I'm on the screen a lot more than, than Marlon Brando. And it's like, um, Al, that's nice. You're not Al Marlon Brando. Yeah, but he had a point. That's the, the way did. the definition of supporting actor versus actor your know, best actor versus best supporting actor has to do with the percentage of screen time and the number of lines and he had more he should have but been up for best actor he wouldn't have won be, but he should have been up problem. for it it's like look do you want to be in a category where you have a chance of winning or no <laughs> chance of winning so whatever yeah. and of course you know al would go on to have a he's, temper as we all know yeah and he ended up he's won a couple of his own so so the, there's a scene in uh, Waltz's bedroom, the famous horse head scene. Ooh, a very obvious on his nightstand is an Oscar. Yep. It turns out that Oscar was in fact Coppola, oh. which, he won for, which he won for co-writing or writing the screenplay to Patton, oh, no, which can't. I did oh, not I know. Oh, I didn't know he wrote the, he co-wrote the screenplay for Patton. Cool. Yeah, the Patton-Oswalt uh, biopic. Oh, so. wow. That was a great movie. <laughs> yeah. And it uh, foresaw all of Patton Oswalt's life oh, as yeah. a tank commander in World War II. <laughs> That's so. right. That's right. I still remember his famous line in his stand-up. I'm going to Ger to Berlin to personally shoot that paper-hanging son of a bitch. Classic Patton Oswalt. Yeah, that's when he was the rat in Ratatouille. Yep. Right? Yep. So. Um, as I mentioned earlier, James Kahn, who played Sonny Corleone, mm. German Jewish. Abe Vigoda, who played Tessio, mm. the traitor, Russian Jewish. Yeah. But no problem at all. Yeah. Uh, the man who played Luca Brazzi, uh, Leno Lenny Montana was a mafia bodyguard and self-confessed arsonist. <laughs> Interestingly, the scene where he's going over his lines when he's supposed to go in and talk with Vito Corleone, um, they added that in mm. because this, they shot the scene where he's speaking to Vito and he flubs his line because this... he was actually really nervous to be acting with Marlon Brando. Well, you can't blame him. No. So they added that bit where he's practicing afterwards because it worked so well. Um. And in the I really can't believe this category, a huge fan of the book who really wanted to play Vito, Vito Corleone was, take a guess, take a wild, wild stab. Tommy Wiseau. You're close in a way. Oh, no. Actually, no, you're not. But Elvis Presley. Oh, Lord. <laughs> he, wanted to play, he wanted to play Don Corleone? Apparently. <laughs> He loved the book and um, wanted like I'm gonna make that. I'm gonna make him I'm gonna make him an offer and he he's not gonna be able to refuse that offer then I'm gonna make him thank you very much Ma Max would you leave the building <laughs> yeah I, I I have already left the building thank you give me a fried okay. fried peanut butter banana sandwich please okay and um, wow would that not have worked <laughs> no especially if he started singing oh. you know? hey you know. No one's ever thought of doing a musical version of The Godfather. Yes, they have. Wonder... Yes, they have. In memoriam. That was on The Simpsons. No, it wasn't. It was in oh. Mad Magazine. Oh, did Rest they? in peace. They did a musical version. I believe it was called Oh, Godfather. <laughs> not Oh, My Godfather? I'm not sure. It's been a long time, but they did do it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's right up there with Gilligan's Island. Doing, uh, <laughs> the musical Hamlet. Hamlet, yes. And you know, folks, I got to say... That is classic. You can yep. say what you like about Gilligan's Island, but the fact that they do a musical version of Hamlet going to um, uh, Carmen. Uh, Carmen. 
Yes, with uh, Phil is, Silvers. With Phil Silvers in every role is brilliant. Yeah. I don't care what you want to say that about That is an Gilligan amazing Zone. piece of television. It is. Um, <laughs> anyway. So we're all going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> no, we are. We well, are all going to jail. Why is that? You know why? Why? So the actress who plays Michael's first wife, Apollonia. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the one who bears her soul to him, otherwise yeah. known as takes off her, her top. Yeah, how old was she? 16. Ooh, awkward. So anyone Illegal. who's seen this movie has basically looked at um, underage. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. Ugh. And to this day, I don't know how that hasn't been excised from the film. Because yeah. it's still there. I yeah, rented yeah. it yesterday. And there they are. <laughs> um, and so much more. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. won't you... Oh, yes, right. Uh, The plot. This is a film that follows the machinations of the Corleone family, a mafia group originating in Sicily, and their exploits following World War II in New York City. Starting with the patriarch Vito, we see his actions and those of his sons in the decade following the Great War, and how those actions and reactions change both them and the country in which they have chosen to live. It's not so much about Vito, but his youngest son, Michael, and how he changes from being unconnected to the family business to being the man in charge. Hmm. Okay, sums it up nicely. That was my own thing. Very I wrote nice. it. All of it. Very nice. And now, the flim. Ah, damn. Line. The flim. The flim is okie-dokie. The lowdown. So, Max, I'm going to yeah. guess that you have seen this not just once, but a few times. I have seen it from start to finish, I'd say six times. And I've seen pieces of it for all over the all over the place. Whenever I am channel flipping, there was a period it used to be on basic cable all the time. Huh. And I, whenever I came, I would start and I'd go, oh, I'll just watch this scene. And I end up watching for like 45 minutes. I Which ne- is actually fairly easy to do. There's yeah. a lot of really big scenes in there. Yeah. And you want to see what, like, where are they going? This, where are they going? Like, the whole opening wedding is like the first half an hour of the film. It's not. It's not that yeah. long, but it's. It feels like the first half an hour of the film, and you're like, it's a wedding. What's the big deal? Because and it's a huge deal in that it culture. Is. Because Vito Corleone, first of all, no Sicilian can refuse a favor on the day of his daughter's wedding. Oh, that and I did not know. Yes, they say that. That is, it's it's an ancient tradition. That's why they're all lined up to talk to the Don. And the other thing is, he is the godfather. He is not just a godfather, he is the godfather. It's like right. he's the godfather to the entire Italian-American community, practically. And if you and many people come to ask him favors. Including, unfortunately, yeah. one of my favorite character actors, Vito Scotti. Uh, which one was and, he? Uh, he was the baker. Oh, that's right. He was in Columbo and a bunch of other things. Many times. many, And he was also, as you remember, the Japanese sailor on Gilligan's Island. Oh, God, that's right. (laughs) And wasn't he also the mad scientist? Yes, he was. He had three different episodes. Yeah. Vito Scotti has been, he's been a Dick Van Dyke show. He's been on everything. The problem with Vito Scotti isn't that he isn't a good, a decent actor. And he does play occasionally serious parts like Columbo. But mostly, he plays wild and kooky. Yeah. And so Vito shows up, and I'm like, oh, we're going to have Wild and Kooky in The Godfather? Uh, he wasn't. No. He was fine. For him, he was fine. But it's just seeing him, it's sort of like, well, what if it was Jerry Lewis? We know Jerry Lewis can do serious. Well, yes, we, heard, yeah, he can. He really can. Well, we've heard he can do, but they won't release the film yet. No, I'm no, dying I'm, to see. I'm not talking about the day the clown cried, which we'll probably yeah. never see. I mean, there was a TV show called Wise Guy. Uh-huh. that he showed up in as a, a gangster, and he did a very good job in. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. But yeah, so that it's not only showing the tradition of the wedding and the family and everything, but it's showing the connectedness and the breadth. And again, this, like Max said, the whole you, you ask a promise now, you're, you're going to get it granted if, if you're a friend. If and, you're a friend and if you show respect. And that's huge. And I... I <sighs> It was such a thing. Uh, one of my earlier earliest uh, notes on Brando is Brando exudes a quiet danger. Yeah, he, I he is in a way really hard to read because that whole scene where he's talking to the uh, Undertaker, mm-hmm. who comes in basically says, "My daughter's been raped by these two guys, and they got off, you know, with nothing, yep. and I want justice." And you can tell that. The whole idea of justice in this case, a probably very eye for an eye kind of justice, would definitely appeal 
to Vito Corleone, but this guy is only coming to him. He, yep, he at says last resort. You have not. You you have. When was the last time you invited me to your house for coffee? Right. You, you come and ask me this. On my, he says you ask me this. How you show such disrespect to me? And it's like you sitting there going, "Oh dear God, he's about to have my family killed." What? Oh right, kiss his hand, kiss his yeah. hand, kiss his hand. Um, yeah. And he doesn't have to do anything. You can just tell, like I am on the list. Yeah. He and says, he, "I," and he says, "There may come a day when I will ask you a small favor. That day may never come." Oh, it's gonna come. You know it is. <laughs> they, and, and the guy can't. knows it. He, you can see, it's like, of course it's gonna come, and I am gonna do it, and I'm not even gonna bat a friggin' eye. And he lucks out because the favor is basically, I need you to do your job. Okay. Well, yeah, As, but he, has, and, he has to do his job really well because right. he, he's brought but, the murdered body of the Don's firstborn son, Santino, who's been shot like 200 times. Yeah, and we'll get to that, too. Yeah, and he has to make him look good. And you can see the look on his face when he's looking at the corpse and going, well, this is going to be an all-nighter. Well, but the thing is, is that he gave him a job that is his profession. Yeah. It's not like he said, I'm going to need you to drive a car or yeah. heist or no, something. No, he said, I need, like you to be, I need you to be the best undertaker you ever have been. Yep. So he, in a way, he lucks out. Mm -hmm. um, but that those scenes, and uh, Coppola got into a lot of trouble for scenes especially like that because of the lighting. The oh. uh, studio thought they were all way too dark. <laughs> That's why they and called him the Prince of Darkness, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's couples like, no, 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 trust me on this. And, of course, we end up trusting Coppola, and it works fine, especially because he brilliantly interposes those dark in-office scenes with these bright outdoor scenes yeah. of the wedding. I mean, talk about the yin and the yang and the light and the dark. It's like, look what's going on at this wedding. Like, you can't have one without the other. Um, the, the Some of the wedding sequences, James Caan is so good in this. I mean, yeah. this is one of the best things I've ever seen him do. And when you realize he's like the least Italian person on screen and he acts so Italian, he you just, you have no problem believing it. And he improvises a lot. When he is, when the the uh, reporters are taking, or the yep. FBI are taking pictures of the car, when he knocks the camera out of this guy's hand, that wasn't rehearsed. He just suddenly did it. That's why the guy looks so shocked. And he also improvised, once he smashes the camera, he pulls out like a few, a handful of money and just flicks it at the guy. That wasn't in the script either. No, it was not. Um, he did do a very good job. There was actually back and forth as to who he'd play. At one point, he was going to play Michael, and then he eventually mm. got Santino. Um, it, the the casting was kind of all over the place, like it, except for Vito. It's mm. like you, I either want Sir Lawrence or I want uh, uh, Brando, and yeah, that's it. Boy. And Sir Lawrence was too sick. Um, although I don't know what he had at that time, I didn't look it up. But of course, he would be continue to make movies for at least another ten years. Yeah. Um, so I, I always wondered what his thought was. It's like, oh, I wish I had that role, or I've got plenty else to do. Who knows? Mm. Uh, I will say about the wedding scene, mm. it felt very real mm -hmm. and very stereotypical at the same time. We are at some points just short of, it's a me, a Mario. <laughs> and but they make fun of is, that too. Even they do. There's that scene with, I love the scene it's right before Michael is going to go into town and assassinate the Turk and the police captain. And he's on the phone with Kay, his very wasp girlfriend. Oh, yes, Kay. And, and she's like, I love you. Okay, I'll see you tonight. Can't you say it back? And he, he's in this room full of these huge goons and... You can tell he's too self-conscious. He won't do it. And after he hangs up and Clemenza it turns, Michael, why don't you tell that nice girl you love her? I love you, my darling. With all of my... He starts doing a Mario accent. He, he knows yeah. the cliche and he's playing with it. Yeah, the, there was an organization called the Italian Anti-Defamation League. They got all over the studio because of this movie. Because they said every Italian um. in here is either a gangster or a servant of a gangster. Yeah, did you um, did you read to see who they um, they actually were uh, connected with? I believe they were in fact a front for the mafia. Yes. Yeah. And they actually came in and said, "No, this gotta go. This gotta go. This gotta go." And you know they and that's the thing is that the problem with stereotype is that at some point it is usually based on something, mm -hmm. and sometimes if you're just shown that thing, it feels stereotypical. But Coppola is an Italian guy, uh -huh. and he did not want 
the Italian Americans to be portrayed in a totally negative way, and I don't think they are. No. Um, and, and it's like this is an Italian wedding. That's what it's like. But it's just knowing that people might see it this way. I, I was like, okay, I can see why people make fun of this, even though this is accurate. It's there, not even trying to make fun of people. It's just like this is how it goes. There was real fear making this movie because. Oh yeah. The, a lot of the uh, the families, the people, are very clearly analogs for real and incredibly dangerous people. The right. five families they talk about. In The Godfather, there's five families. The Corleones, the Tetalias, the Barzinis, the Cuneo, and the Stracci. Those are parallels to the five, the real five families of New York. The Genoveses, the Gambinos, the Luceses, the Colombos, and the Bonanos. I had to write all of those down. I don't have, hey, I, at least you did it. <laughs> I don't have I don't have them all memorized. Especially that there it's again, Coppola denied it, Puzzo denied it because they don't want to die and they don't want a horse's head in their bed. The Corleone family is basically the Gambino family. Don Corleone is well, he's kind of an amalgam of a bunch of different gangsters. Probably the one most people point to is Frank Costello, because he had that the sort of same kind of mumbling, weird kind yeah. of bulldog jaw and the strange the 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 heart leaves a little hard to understand, but he's a bunch of other people too. There, he is not just one person. Again, the only one who is is Johnny Fontaine, who, <laughs> who is friggin' Frank Sinatra. Let's not kid yeah. ourselves. Come on, he's the pretty boy singer. Uh, he his career is peak is is winding down. He's not, his popularity has faded, so he wants to be in a war movie. But the director won't put him in. This is from here to eternity, which is exactly what happened. They didn't want to give Sinatra the part. I don't know if it. Uh, I think the whole bit about him romancing uh, some actress he shouldn't. I don't think that's part of that part is uh, has an analog to real life. But the director didn't like him, and allegedly, he. Uh, I I gotta say allegedly, Frank Sinatra had connections to people like Momo Giancano and a bunch of other people, and they suggested to the director that it'd be a real good idea if Frankie got in the movie. That's allegedly. Dr. Sinatra to you, you little bimbo. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of allegedly in this, yeah. this film. And I mean, um, Sinatra obviously thought it was supposed to be him because I think he threatened to beat the crap out of Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola. He, there actually was a threatened lawsuit. Yeah. And that's why the park. Oh, it wasn't just a lawsuit. Cut. He found there, there's well, a famous story of running in the Puzo in a restaurant and screaming obscenities yeah. at him, and they had to yeah. haul, the, haul him awake before Sinatra beat him up. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I guess going back to the wedding scene, I was just sitting there going, I want to be invited to an Italian wedding. This looks like so. Look, they've got those little colored cookies. I love oh, those cookies. <laughs> Italian The old classic Catholic Italian weddings are awesome. They yeah, are immense the... parties, and they, the, the food is supposed to be incredible, and everyone is having a great time, and they're singing and dancing. Yeah, and that's the problem, is I have absolutely no chance of being invited <laughs> to an Italian Catholic wedding. Uh, it's like, I don't know the word for, for gay in Italian, but I don't imagine it's very pleasant. Yeah, well, they don't invite um, a lot of us. They didn't used to invite a lot of us Hebrews either, but it does happen. They invited you to play parts in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so we yeah we, we see Kay early on. She's at the wedding, mm -hmm. um, and I'm just sitting there going, uh, Kay has no idea and what then, she's getting into. And that is Diane is theme, Keaton, by the way. Which I also didn't recognize. Yeah. Um, but Kay, that theme of Kay not knowing what she's getting into, she will hold on to that for dear life through the entire film. Yeah, that's... My last note is, how can Kay not know? Does she not see newspapers, hear the radio? Come on. When, when Vito is shot, the... the the headline is Gangster Vito Corleone <laughs> in Hospital. It's like, come on! I know. To be fair, at that point, she just sees the, the Italian wedding, which is fun. And at that point, Michael is, I'm going to go right out there and say it, Michael's a very different character. Yeah. Al Pacino, speaking of being unrecognizable. Oh, boy. This is a performance like none other. Of his, yeah. His, you know, because you're not ready for it. He's so restrained and quiet. And it works really well. It's perfect. When and he starts off, he's the war hero. Yep. And you get the, the I, don't, I don't know if they talk about this in the book or what, but you get the impression that he saw some stuff in the war yeah. and he's fine with that. It's yeah, okay. He managed. He's, there's, there's no PTSD for him. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, whatever. But also, 
he's very much not part of the family business. He yeah. doesn't want that. We don't know why, but he you can see him being really sort of, in, in the beginning, very like, eh. well, And all the brothers are apparently okay with this because they're like, yeah, no, no, he's a civilian. Well, we, we, know, we know that because that's what, v, what Don Corleone wanted. He wanted well, him to be out of it. He said, I want you to, you know, there's that, oh, that it's right. heartbreaking <clears throat> scene where he's saying, I know, I know what you wanted and I wanted that for you. I'm not ashamed of what I've done. And does what he has to. A lot of a lot of very macho stuff here. A lot of very man does this, man does that. But he say, says, I, I'm not ashamed, but I want, I didn't want that for you. I wanted you know, to be Senator Coleone, Governor Coleone. He wanted him to right. be out of the business. And it's... But we don't know what Michael wanted at that point, which is fine. Yeah. But we can tell that he doesn't really... He's, he's nervous about bringing his girlfriend to this because he's worried that that part will mm-hmm. show up. And he has nothing to worry about because he—you could probably have her on a hit, and she wouldn't figure it out. I'm not no, saying she she's doesn't dumb. want to she see just... it, and it's just not—it's so not a part of her world. You can just tell. No. Diane Keaton, I think, brings that across really well. It's not that she's stupid. It's just like this is like you might as well be speaking pig Latin. I have no idea. This is not a part of my world. I don't know what I'm seeing. I think we don't really see it till that last shot of oh. the film. Where he's told her, it's like, no, no, that's the, not what this. I had no. The last the, word, then, the last line in the film, he's lying to his wife, and he doesn't bat an eye, and that is such a sum up of who he is, who he has become. He says, he's, but also when he goes off and he's talking with the with yeah. the other guy, and they're talking about it, the look on her face where she can't hide the fact that she knows yeah. anymore, and that's that's really well done. And too. you have to even have to um, wonder when he said what she said this one time. You can ask me about my business. And she says, did you have Connie's husband killed? Well, I think what she says, doesn't she say, did you, did you kill Connie's Did you Connie's kill Connie's husband? husband? Or, or, yeah. And he and, said... And, he, and so he can actually not lie. And I think that's how he looks at it is, no, yeah, I didn't. I ordered it done. No. And he doesn't say that. He, <laughs> yeah, he says no. And she believes it, but you have to wonder. I think on some level, she knows that he's lying. Well, she... Well, no, she believes it until he goes mm. out and they're talking about it with the mm. other guy. And then you see there's a shot of her face and she's like, I think I can't pretend yeah. anymore. This... And she's like, I can't get no. out either. And it's just a look. And some actors... This comes can... up more in the second movie. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I haven't seen the second movie. Mm. And there are actors that can pull off just a look like that. And in this film, at least, Diane Keaton pulls it off great. And her part's yeah, not very does. big. No. Um, so... Or going back to early in the film, one of the other actors we see that also threw me out of the film for a little bit, and this is no fault of the film because he hadn't got this role yet, but yeah. there's old Detective Fish from Barney Miller. Uh, Abe Vigoda as Tessio. Yep. yep, and it's like, I see Fish is like, don't trust him, he's an undercover cop. And it turns out that <laughs> I wasn't quite right, but it turned out to be kind of true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he does a great job. Yeah. The other, the other interesting thing, there's a little more nepotism going on. Yeah. Oh, there's, Connie, there's, there, you know, oh, there's this, tons of Coppolas in this film. There's a lot of Coppolas. You know, Talia Shire, who plays Connie, the, the one daughter, yeah. that's uh, that's Francis Ford Coppola's sister. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I believe his one of his brothers did the music and part of the score. Yes, and actually one of his sons, who will eventually do the special effects for Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, is also uh, in the film briefly. Uh, his father plays a pl- plays a piano at one point, and <laughs> the biggest role goes to his daughter Sophie, who is playing baby Michael in the baptism scene at the end. She was literally <laughs> like two months old. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, nice. Speaking of, it's not nepotism, but uh, sort of an echo of things to come. There's a very obvious shot uh, when Vito is getting gunned down at the fruit stand of a Jake LaMotta poster in the background. Uh, which uh, You notice also every time there are oranges. Yes, they mentioned uh, this. It, yep. Yeah, it uh, foreshadows a death or a near death of a Corleone. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and of course, what is, what is the color of, I don't know, what do you want to call it, suit or whatever, that Carlo mm-hmm. is wearing? When uh, Santino comes and beats the crap out of him, oh, it's orange. Yep. So that's sort of yep. like yep. predicting his own death, which of course is what happens. Kind of. Um, interestingly, the film for me, and I, you know, I'm watching this on on iTunes. I rented it. Is very grainy. Now, to be fair, mm. this time uh, in the '70s, um, there was a lot of I don't want to call it backlash, but I would say there was a lot of visual turning away of bright, gaudy colors that started in the mm. '40s when you know color film started to become a thing 
um, especially the film The French Connection, if you've ever seen that. There's yeah. literally almost no color in that film. They make Yeah, that whole film, the first time I saw it, I thought there was something wrong with the print. I thought it was all washed yeah, out. Yeah, and I, I, it worked really great at making you feel like, this is what it's like to be in New York in the middle of winter, and it's really depressing. It's perfect. Mm. Um, that was also a film that I, I saw much, much later, and it's like, wow, this is a really good film. Uh, especially mm. the ending, not what I was expecting. But the film is very grainy in this film, especially mm. uh, because... Coppola likes to light things so dimly, and that's going to give you a lot more grain. Um, interestingly, there's a lot of love of actual film in Hollywood. I know that Martin Scorsese is one of these people. I'm not sure if, if Coppola is, is, is as well. Um, but there's a whole group of people that would like to keep real film as opposed to digital going. Mm. And I wonder if this is part of that love. Like, I wonder if he likes the graininess, if he thinks it's a little bit more truthful or something. I don't know. Mm. Did you even know. notice it or... Uh, I was just used. I'm too used to it. I've seen it too many times that I don't care. Uh, I honestly, the the quality of the print mean, means so little to me. The the scenes. There are so many wonderful scenes. The dialogue is so incredible. There is so many quotable lines from this movie. Yes, some of them good, some of them bang. Bada bing. Did not know that that's where this came from. And yeah, yeah we'll get this in the final seg segment. But there were parts that that I'm I had trouble with. But huh. uh, we'll get there. Um, let's go right to that restaurant scene. Oh, dear wow. gods. Oh, that is, yep. Where basic, yep. Michael <sighs> is going there with the specific job of, of assassinating Salazzo the Turk and Captain McCluskey. I look, when Captain McCluskey, who shows up at the hospital where they're going to try to finish off Vito, and he, you know, he there he breaks Michael's jaw. Yep. When he appears, it's at the same. You hear this huge crash of thunder. His entrance is like he's not a person; he's a force of nature. Yep, and it, it's brilliant. That whole sequence in the hospital is so terrifying, and there's so much tension. And yes, the scene and it leads to the scene in the restaurant with the brute Salazzo the Turk. Yep, and they brought the one person they think is safe. You know, Michael. They, they've they've set it up, and there's the gun in, hidden in the bathroom. Yep, and, and every time well, I see or it, or is it because we're sitting there and he's. Thankfully, he's pawing for it, and there's every indication that it's not there. Yeah, and there's... you feel the tension. It's yeah. like, oh no! Well, it starts like this is this is sort of Michael's big turning point. Yeah. Because um, at this point, they have they have shot down his father. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't killed. Have they killed Santino? No, yet? no. Santino was the one no, who laughs right. at him when he offers to do it. Yes, and Michael is starting to take these things seriously, and I think he's also starting to realize that I may not be part of this, but I'm part of this. Yeah. And he offers, because he knows he knows what will happen if Santino is left to do what Santino's yep. going to do. He's going to do what all of the other guys are expecting him to do. He's going to fly off the handle and do something stupid, which yeah, is he's gonna what he's going to do. He's going to start a full-scale war. And, and this has to be a surgical strike, because he's a soldier. He sees this, and... It's one of the big contrasts between him and Santino. Santino is passionate and wild, kind of animalistic. And Michael and is violent. cold. <laughs> he is cold, calculating, manipulative, exactly what you want in a leader. But what I really like is that this scene lets us see the character in transition. Mm. He is not, even though he's been in the war, he's a decorated hero. And as it turns out, I looked, there was one piece of trivia that he was a Marine. So uh -huh. it's not like he sat on the sidelines somewhere. I'm not saying that the Army and the Air Force did either, but the Marines are sort of known for being the guys that are like into the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. So he's got a number of decorations uh, having been a Marine. So he's seen action and stuff. But even still, you can tell before he goes into the bathroom, he's nervous. Well, and it's, he's it, eyeing, it's exactly... Yeah, he's eyeing. He's, he's eyeing the whole area, like where are the exits, who's here, what's going on, and he's also you. You can get the idea that he's mentally going over the instructions he's beginning being given what to do, mm -hmm. and then he goes to the bathroom and he's looking for the gun, and he first he can't find it, and so that's for us. That's yeah. for the the audience. It's like things are about to get really tense because we're not going to tell you if he's going to do it or not. Yeah. Then once he finds it, you can then see he's nervous. Yeah. Do I have the guts to do this? Is somebody outside waiting to take me down? We don't know. And then he comes out, and it, and the first thing I thought was he puts the gun away. It's like it's yeah. either in his belt or it's in his back pocket or something. And I'm like, why don't you have the gun? And he sits down, and it looks like he's either trying to work up the courage or reconsider something's going on in his head. And then he finally... Mm -hmm. 
what happens it, happens but it's like man that is the so longest well five minutes <laughs> yeah and it's done so beautifully both yes. by his performance because you can see as he's sitting at the table and Salazzo starts talking to him and you know he can't he isn't listening he can't hear you see his no. eyes flickering you just see him gathering himself and at the same time you hear a, a train going by getting closer yep. and they're getting louder and louder and at the peak of the noise he just gets up and he shoots the two guys in the head well, Perfectly. importantly, well, no, he shoots, he shoots one uh, in the shoots throat. The Turk. Excuse me. He shoots the tur- shoots the Turk fine, and he dies. But the cop McCluskey, he shoots once. He doesn't die, so he has to shoot him again. Although he was told shoot Two them in the, in the head. head twice, yep. both, and then drop the gun. And he doesn't. He holds on to it for a few steps, and then he kind of flicks it away. He's also told don't look anybody in the face, and he looks everybody in yeah, the he face. Makes- it was, and it's what Santino tells him because it's like, yeah, this guy's a marine, he's a war hero, but he says, "You think this is like being in the army? You think this is like being at war? You're shooting a guy from a mile away?" Right. He says, "No, you got to get right up," and he like sticks his finger right in Michael's head, go right up into him. Yep. And that's is it's very clearly that's different because that's not war. That's what he does. And what's so? I'll get to this at the end. What's so astonishing? He murders them. He yep. assassinates two men in cold blood, and we're cheering him. Well, yes, we are. No, we're not. And I'm going to get to that. We're going to get to that. We're going to have a we're going to have a discussion. Um, Also, I I do have to disagree with you about the turning point. That is a a major point, but it's not the turning point. I think it is because nothing before that really sets him on the road to who he's going to become. Yes, it does. I can tell you right where it is. Mm. It's the couple of scenes before when he's in the hospital. When he's protecting his father, and he know, he realizes the guards are gone, the private investigators are gone, and his and he knows that men are coming to kill him, and he leans over his father and he whispers to him, "Don't worry, pop, I'm with you, I'm with you now, I'm with you." And he's not just saying, "I'm here." He's saying, "That's it, I'm part of this now." That's how yeah. I saw it. I I can definitely see that. I think though, until he's actually done something, it's just words. And it's not just that he's part of the family, it's who he becomes. Because mm-hmm. his character, once he pulls that off, and, and he knows he's got the guts to do it, and he sees what needs to be done, for me, that's like the final, well, I don't say the final nail in the coffin, because that sounds mm-hmm. like he dies. He obviously doesn't. He's in the second, is he in the third one too? Yes, he is. Oh, that's right in front. There's only two movies, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that that's the beginning of it, and it's a very important point. But to me, until he actually does something, that's we still don't know. True. That's the action is what commits him. Yeah. I think his but, attitude changes in the hospital, but he find he his path is irrevocable when he pulls the trigger. That is true. Both because of what he did and because he's like, no, this is it. I'm doing mm-hmm. it. Um, and this is one of those Hollywood scenes that probably gets brought up a lot because oh, yeah. it is pretty much straight on perfect yeah it is exceedingly tense you're tense i was on the edge of my seat and i should have known how it how it ended because this is one of those movies where you've seen it even if you haven't seen it or you think everybody knows it yep and i'm sure i saw a siskel and ebert at some point where they were talking about that scene and i didn't remember how it ended and i didn't know what was going to happen even though i sort of kind of did and that tells you something even if you it's like well they're not going to kill off this main character but you're not thinking that. You're thinking, oh, my God, does he get shot? What happens? What happens? Yeah. What happens? And it, it, we could if, talk the whole time about this one scene. Yeah. Um, so I, one of the things I threw out, threw out here, and this I'll talk a little bit about this, but I couldn't. something jumped into my head, not necessarily for this particular scene, but right around here. It's like, yeah, we're going to hit Krakow. Yeah, Krakow's oh, the big God. boss. And, uh, you know, the, this thing you. is, is that there are connections. It feels like this occasionally, because that's what mm-hmm. ah, they put a hit on us. We're going to put a hit on Krakow. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's a Star Trek episode I'm talking about called A Piece of the Action. And, you yeah, know, we'll, yeah. we'll get to it. It's in my notes, yeah. so I had to throw it yeah. in. One, but the the scene that always gets me right after that, yeah, is you know they've told him okay Michael's gonna have to leave the country for like a year, yeah, and when he when they tell Don Corleone, yep. they say say you know he's looking around there everyone's there you know, oh thank you know, he's back in his house, he says you know where's Michael he can hardly talk because he was shot in the throat, and he says they said Michael Michael killed Salazzo. And he just turns his head and he's like start he starts to cry. Yeah. Because he didn't want that. And that's such a power he doesn't say anything. 
Now, it's see, such I saw a that powerful a, scene. I saw that as a double-sided thing. I thought saw him as crying because he didn't want Michael to be that person and how proud he was that one of his son did the right oh, thing. Oh, I didn't get that from his facial expression at all. I thought it broke his heart. Hmm. I thought it's like, oh, you know, I this is the last thing in the world that I wanted. I wanted you to tell me that Santino did it. I want you to tell me that, one of, that Clemenza did it. Somebody, I didn't want well, it to be Michael. But certainly not Fredo. And we'll get to Fredo <laughs> soon. Um, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fredo. I love him in the scene where the Don gets shot and he drops his gun. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, Fr yeah. Fredo is another story. But yeah. So, uh, and then we suddenly we're in Sicily. Well, wait, before we quite get there. Yeah. Right in the hospital, this is when time starts to get weird. And I do mean weird. Because we have to assume that Vito was in the hospital for at least six months. Because when he's taken down, it's Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then later, when we see stuff, it's summer. And yes, then we go to Sicily. And in Sicily, apparently, Mike has got some sort of horrible disease because he never heals that damn bruise. That well, bruise is there for months and months. Yes. You know why? No. Because the only way that would have worked, I remember reading about this, is McCluskey actually cracked the orbital socket. He broke his face literally when he hit him so and that takes months and there's no way to accelerate it well so the only thing they talk about is the fact that he broke his jaw and in a moment of the um uh the method actors um um reaching for for power and and truth apparently al pacino had his jaw wired huh yeah. Well, so that's why he talks funny through that part. Huh. Yes, because he actually can't unhinge his jaw. Um, I for me it was just distracting because I'm like, why a bruise, bruise, bruise? And apparently it it doesn't like get progressively better. It gets better, then it gets a little worse, then it gets better again. I'm like, is he picking at it? Yeah, I don't know. Didn't bother me at all. But time I, I, just starts to get very, very strange. Yeah, it's supposed to. But time becomes very odd. We don't. It's, we know it's supposed to be at least a year is passing. Then it turns out he's been back in this, the states for a year. And it's like, what, huh? Yeah. Two years has gone by. What, I don't. It's like, I didn't. I didn't understand why they were doing that and why they were just leaving some things out. Because some of the things that happened, I'm like, why wasn't this taken care of? So Carlo, who married, is in the beginning of the the movie. He marries the sister, mm -hmm. Connie. He's a wife beater and he's horrible. And mm -hmm. as soon as uh, Santino finds out Sonny, he goes and beats the crap out of him. Apparently it took them, I forget how many days to shoot that scene, mm. but just the beating up scene took forever. And apparently James Caan and his uh, uh, liking to, to improvise, um, the whole garbage can lid, yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I feel bad for that stunt man. But, so we, we don't see anything or hear anything about that. The next time we see him, He's like the right-hand man. I'm like, why is he still here? And it turns out there's a, there is a reason for that. Mm -hmm. But the amount of time in between, it's like all this time and nothing happened? Okay. I don't know. It's, it, it, I had trouble with the time at that point in the film because things felt mm -hmm. very nebulous, and I didn't quite understand what was going on. So he's apparently gone for a year, or at least he's supposed to be. We don't know how long he actually was gone because we only see one season in Sicily. Mm -hmm. He meets and gets married to one of Prince's backup singers, Apollonia, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, who is, um, I'm sure she grows up to be a very striking <laughs> young woman. Um, yeah. um, and that's actually some cool stuff because he's back in the mother country and he's they do some very cool stuff with um, traditional Sicilian stuff like when he yeah. first meets her. I meets love the, the way he manipulates the father. Right. And he does manipulate him. He does, but he yeah. also does it using traditional respect. Exactly. That's the thing. He doesn't manipulate him the way he would manipulate an American. He goes, no. okay, this is a traditional Sicilian. I know I know exactly the formula. I know exactly what to say. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, something else happens, which I didn't understand. Um, so, obviously, they're still trying to get Michael because he attacked uh, the Turk and... I'm a McCluskey. I'm sure that the the families don't care about one way or the other, but they do want to get him back for killing the Turk. And uh, eventually, they find out where he is. And I guess they paid off one of his two buddies. Yeah, Fabrizio. They killed they to uh, assassinate him, and, and this it, fails. Well, and it didn't work. It actually he killed kills off Apollonia instead. Yeah. 
Um, the thing that bothered me there is, and this is part of that studio wanting another hour of the film, we never see what happens to him. And I can't believe for an instant that Michael let that go. Oh, no. Fabrizio is, sleeps with the fishes. We know this. <laughs> he and yeah, Luke Brad's here together. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, part, but you see, the thing was they talk about, well, they cut back and forth between New York and Sicily. Right. And while, yes, uh, this is very clearly not, doesn't have to do with the assassination of Salazzo. It has to do with the five families arranging themselves against the Corleone family because right. of, it turns out, of Barzini. But it's they, a perfectly good excuse. Yeah. they. But that's why they wait so long to go after him. They don't need to. Then after Sonny kills Tatalia's son, they go after Michael. Right. But I think they also, they even mention when he's in Sicily, we have to move you. It's not safe. They know yeah. where you are. So yeah. they are looking for him. They are. They want to know. But, uh, they but want let's it. face it's it, a, they're in Corleone, the Sicily. There's yeah, they're nobody not... there that's going to, well, we think there's nobody who's going to give them up, but apparently Fabrizio thought 50 bucks was worthwhile. Yeah, something like that. Whatever. Yeah, and then um, he comes back and he takes over. And at first, you know, all the old guys, they don't trust him because he's a kid. Yeah. But he's so, he is so careful and so calm I still don't know why, you know, it's been got to be like two years and he shows up and says, hi, Kay, let's get married. And she's like, okay. <laughs> uh, and also, too, and I, I don't know how this actually is, but I was surprised that they were so open to him marrying outside of his race. Mm. Right. Because No, no, that Italian. is she is not Italian. She no. probably not Catholic. No. Although she does, you know, she goes along with it. She understands. She, maybe she is. She could be a different, you know. I don't know Irish Catholic versus uh, Roman Catholic. Who knows? Yeah, I don't but, know. I just, but the, yeah, he comes back and he yeah. and I my my note was he's been back here and he sees Kay and it's mm -hmm. like let's pick up where we left off and she's probably been like uh no, and of course and I, because she is at that point willfully ignorant she's chosen not to to acknowledge yeah. what is there plain as the nose on your oh. face. Um, I think well, it's more a case of that she's moved on and she was all upset because he never talked to her. He never contacted her. Yep. She, he didn't answer her letters. Nope. And she's like, well, the heck with you. But she obviously really loved him, mm -hmm. partially because she didn't know him. Uh, but to be fair, he also didn't know himself. Back yeah. at the wedding scene. And he's scene, changed, yeah. He's a different and, and, person. And who knows, maybe if none of that stuff had happened, although let's face it, it's a, it's a film about the mafia. Of course it was yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Maybe if that stuff didn't happen, he might have ended up, you know, senator <laughs> or mayor or something. And I do like how the, one of the the exchange with them is one of the, some of the great lines in there, where uh, he's trying to explain, you know, my father has enemies like any powerful man. She goes, Joe, you're being naive. He says he's no different than a senator or a president. And she says senators and presidents don't have men killed. And yeah. he just looks at her, and goes, "Now who's being naive?" Yeah, cause... it's like yikes. That's uh, yeah, Mike. That's pretty dead on. That's yeah. I had Louis taken hard. down. The president had fifty thousand people taken. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Interesting. In the end, when we're uh, at the end of Vito's life, Vito never mm. really recovers. And no. part of it, part of it, I think, is physical. I think he's literally lost some of his actual inner flame. You know that that was. Yeah. But also, I th and I think that when we see him with his grandson and literally his last scene there's a sense that he's both given up because physically he's not up to it but also things have gone in a direction that he didn't want them to right and he's they, kind of no, powerless they, to do anything about it he, he knows his time has passed yeah. but part of his pride is his enemies never killed him he dies playing with his grandson he dies in the tomatoes yep he, um, di he dies in the tomatoes playing with an orange yep and uh, that is which, i think very touching <laughs> Apparently, pretty much that entire scene, all of the dialogue was improvised. That's all mm. Marlon doing Marlon. And the whole I, orange thing, like the, the orange peel in his mouth, the teeth. Yep. That's scary. I don't blame little Anthony for running yeah. away. Cause, yeah. ah! <laughs> oh. Look, now your granddaddy has got his fake teeth in. Now you got his Ah, mommy! Yeah. And then, oh God, and then the final sequences where you're wondering, what is Michael going to do? You know, the Don is dead. There's going to be open war. And there's that... The last scene, you talk about scenes that people talk about in film classes. Yep. Where Michael is becoming the godfather of Connie and Carlo's child. And renouncing Satan. Yeah, oh, God, that <laughs> My thought was, Michael, oh, yeah, do you renounce I'm renouncing Satan? him because, because they, I am him. <laughs> then they cut to a scene of, he's having all the heads of the five families assassinated. Yep. While he is standing in church yep. and reciting, going along with the very elaborate godfather ceremony of, you know, do you renounce Satan? Do you believe in the Holy Ghost? He's like, yes, yes, I do. Blam, blam, <laughs> blam! 
Look, he says it just like that too. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> it's brilliant, and that's when you see. Okay, yeah, he is past redemption now. He is, he is all on the road. He is Don Corleone. He is the new Don Corleone. That's the last line of the movie. Yep. Is somebody bows to him, kisses his hand, and just says Don Corleone. Yeah. Before we quite get there, though, we get to go to Vegas. Oh yeah, and we oh. get to see Fredo, who has obviously been sent away, not yeah. put in place, but sent away where he can't yeah. harm anything, can't, can't break and anything. We, yeah, and we get to see Mikey's Mikey, <laughs> his <laughs> first his first big deal really is basically to show up and tell Bugsy, say, "Oh, I mean, uh, Mo Green, yeah. <clears throat> the uh, man yeah. who built Las Vegas, the guy yeah, who like, created it." It's like, uh, yeah, you're gonna sell me your hotel. And Mo Green's like, who are you? Because at that point, Michael hasn't actually done yeah, anything. Michael and the Corleone nobody. family looks like they're on their way out. Mm-hmm. And that's when we get to see Fredo make his big mistake, which is yeah. basically try to tell Mo Green that his family was just kidding. And it's like, yeah. you don't side with the fam- said, against the family ever- in front of anybody. Oh, God, that line. Fredo, you're my brother and I love you, but don't ever take sides against the family again. And apparently, in the script anyway, they never really say this, Fredo is the eldest brother. Oh, I, th- I thought he was the middle. I know apparently he's older he, than Michael. Apparently, at least in the, originally in the script, it was oh. written that he was the oldest brother, which makes his position even worse. Oh, yeah. No, that's a big thing, is he's the one who should be the heir apparent, but everyone knows, including him on some level, yeah. he can't cut it. Yeah. But also, I love the scene at, uh, and this is uh, at the funeral, um, mm-hmm. When Vito has died, this is before yeah. the the christening, because Vito has told him, he's basically given him his last instruction. He's like, yeah. the family's are gonna come to you. You're gonna someone you trust the most. That person's gonna come and suggest a meeting. That's your traitor. Yep. And they're and gonna he's try absolutely and take right. you. And then you get to see it happen. And who is it? We're sitting there waiting. And sure enough, during the the funeral, the undercover cop. I mean, <laughs> Tessio comes Tessio up. comes up and says, you know, well, there's yeah. gonna be a meeting. And In my Mikey, territory, I guarantee your safety, and he just... And Mikey plays it perfectly. Yep. He goes, He's right. like, okay, we'll do this, just like I did the last <laughs> yep. time. Yeah, and so. I love the sequence where, you know, Tess, Tessio has no idea that they're on to him. Yep. And as he's leaving the house, and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, you guys are going to go in another car... And he's starting to catch on, and suddenly there are five guys standing around and, him. Well, and Tom says, yeah, I can't go either. And he's like, and he says that line, and it is such a big part of the movie, because like 12 different people, just tell Michael, it wasn't personal, it was just business. Yeah. I always liked him. And I think that just look, Tom, can you get me off the hook, for old time's sake? <laughs> and Tom is just looking at him, like, and he does, he's not unpleasant, but he's saying, Oh, can I get you off the hook for being about to murder the man who is basically my little brother? No. No, I can't. You're <laughs> no. gonna you're dead meat. But yeah, of course, Tom, Tom is great. He is the ice man. You know, he and is he's so... in a really weird position because yeah. he's bas- he's not actually adopted, but he's basically adopted. Yeah. He's a and, brother, but he's not. And as he you know, he's not Italian. He's he's German Irish he's yeah, German Irish. Oh yeah, my Kraut Mick friend. Yeah, there's a lot of those thrown around. Oh yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of foul language and there's a lot of racism. There's a lot of terrible stuff. Yeah. And you know, I think we, we need to start wrapping this up. Yeah, I know. But, but there is quite a lot to talk about. There is a lot. I mean this but, is yeah, but uh, let's talk yeah. about what what do we think? The roundup. Well, G Max. Yeah. <laughs> What you, do you think about this movie? Uh, I think this is one of the greatest movies this country has ever produced. Why do you think that it is such a great movie? Because it controls you. It, it, this is it's both. Huh, sorry, this is both the reason it's wonderful and also the reason, in some ways, it's terrifying. It makes you root for criminals. It makes you sympathize with and hope that they that these professional murderers and thieves and extortionists, you want them to win. And oh my God, you shouldn't want that. These are the bad guys. And yet, you're like, oh yeah, way to go, Michael. Way to shoot those two guys in the head. Like, what's happening? I think it is because the characters are so fascinating and the dialogue is so good. And it's a glimpse into a terrifying and fascinating world that, let's face it, most of us have no connection with, I hope. (laughs) Was that a hint? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I think this movie is amazing. I really, I think it holds up. I not, it is one of the only movies I genuinely never get tired of. What do you think? How do you feel about it? So. Understand that if you didn't like it, it makes you a terrible human being, and I hope fire ants eat you. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I think it's a very good yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. There are some things that I have trouble with in mm -hmm. the film. I do have trouble with it being very, like, the time seems to go very linearly up to a point, and then things get weird. Mm. Um, and I have trouble, like, figuring out, wait, it's ten, this film takes place over ten years? What, what, huh? Yeah, it's 1945 to 1955. And the beginning of the film starts at a snail's pace, and then it just sort of skips all over the place. And I do have a little trouble figuring out where I am and what's going on. That uh, the other there's a couple of scenes too that I thought were a little overdone. The scene where Sonny gets killed, a little bit much. All kind those of Sam bullets, Sam Peckinpah feel to it. Yes. Yeah, especially because he doesn't die right away. It's like I'm sorry after like the sixth shot of one machine gun, I don't buy yeah. it. And it's just like it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Um, I, again, just a little bit overdone, uh, just for my tastes. Um, that being said, it is a really interesting film in that it's a film that you continuously think about after you see yeah, it. It stays with you. The other problems I have with the film are not the fault of the film. It's the problem of the years between now and yeah. then. This film has become its own stereotype. It's very yeah. I was wondering about this for you watching it. I, I would imagine it's very difficult for someone who has never seen it, but who you've grown up with the imagery and the the. It's it's so iconic. It's also become parodied. Yep. Yeah, I I imagine it's very difficult to see it that way. It's a film that you've seen without yeah. seeing it. You yeah. know, you know, there's like made an awful camera fuse. That is like probably the most parodied you know mm -hmm. copied line ever you know or not one of them and so when you hear it you're not hearing it for the first time you've heard it for the 477th mm. time so that makes things but that's not the film's fault that's the fault of me not having seen it before now although quite honestly i would not want to have seen this when i was no seven. no i don't um, think so that would have been bad <laughs> um I'm not enough of a, of a cinephile or a real aficionado to say whether i think this is one of the top five films in Western cinema. What I will say is there are some amazing textbook scenes. And by that, I don't mean these are films that are done by a set of rules written down. No, I mean, this, textbooks were written yeah, about this film. This film created and, a lot of the rules. And justifiably so. There are performances in here to hang an entire career on, whether you're a newcomer like mm -hmm. Al Pacino, who is still very early in his career, mm -hmm. um, or a longtime favorite like Marlon Brando. Again, the cotton in the mouth, the thing, because it's been so parody, the reason I, tr I couldn't watch this before was because I kept seeing John Belushi's yeah. version of this, which was dead on and perfect, and he literally stuffed his face with tissue paper. Yeah. Um, it's one of those performances that can't help but be parodied because it's that iconic and that good. Yeah. Um, quite honestly, if I had to choose, if they had given Al Pacino the nod for best actor, I might have given it to him. Yeah. Because I think that, to be fair, it's his character as much as it is his performance. But his character goes through such a transition in this film, and it is played so well, and it is... He's got his hand on the brake the entire time. This is not the Al Pacino that's I'm gonna wreck this place. Yeah, you know, that stuff yeah. that comes that, later. I don't know what Where, happened. It's like the the break the brake lines were cut or something. He just Yeah. And I don't know if it was Coppola, I don't know if it was him, a combination of the two, mm -hmm. whatever it was, he's the center of the film. Oh yeah. It's not Vito. No. It, everyone thinks it's Vito because no, that's no. who they remember the most. But and the thing is, is there's not one moment for Michael where it's like that's that's the moment except for the restaurant scene and he has almost no dialogue mm -hmm. whereas pretty much any time Brando's on screen as he always does he's got the spotlight and what he says is what you remember yeah. but it's really Michael's film and it's his transition that again I would have probably given him the Oscar not that Marlon wasn't up there and didn't do a good job because he certainly did but his part wasn't as transitional and as broad his story arc Michael's is simpler. Was. It doesn't. He doesn't change yeah. as much as a character as Michael does. That is true. I don't James know. Conn I think it would have gone to the judges. I think it's tough. 
Oh yeah, yeah, but it's and I, you know it's Brando. So yeah. of course, after this, there wasn't a chance Brando was going to ever win anything again because this is the one where he sent out the yeah, uh, sent the young woman the... dressed in, in Native American garb, yep. uh, whose last name was Cruz. So I don't know if he, she was actually Native American or not because the woman she that she said she was that mm-hmm. wasn't her actual name. Yeah. But regardless, we have you know other performance. Again, I'm sitting there staring at Robert Duvall and oh, I don't know it's him. He's so he, good in that. Tom he's is amazing. a great part. Diane Keaton, uh, man, she. <laughs> her in this and it's a very very small part but again that look she gives at the end sells mm. her entire role yep um even the guy who plays leo green um there's just leo, the, the performance mo, in you this, mean mo green mo green i'm sorry yeah. leo green yes. uh the, the yeah alex are, rocco are who's, who's made a, a career out of playing uh gangsters <laughs> not jews mm. um it, you know, there's there's tons been written about this film. There's tons to suggest. But if you're like me and you have not seen it, it is highly worth seeing. It is three hours. Yeah. Interestingly, there was a intermission originally planned, and it was right after that restaurant scene, oh, which wow. is why there's music. The music swells at that point. Mm-hmm. That's there was supposed to be an intermission, but there yeah, wasn't. They didn't uh. actually do it. Um, I you know I don't really want to see the second film, and I'm going to disagree with Max on one major point. One of the things I want to give a very big thumbs up to in this film is for me the film managed to have protagonists without making them sympathetic so Hmm. the fact that michael does manage to kill those two guys didn't make me like him it relieved me that the character we're following doesn't die but i don't like him i don't Mm. want to get to know him better yeah maybe not like fascinated by oh it's it but it's just and i know i heard that i didn't watch the sopranos but i heard a lot of people felt the same way they're like Mm -hmm. we like these characters and we feel terrible for doing so i didn't like anybody in this movie really but i was still interested in seeing their story they were fascinating and not and they weren't so horrific that Mm -hmm. i wanted to turn away you do get invested you get invested you do and it's a really hard balance to pull because there's plenty of films where we see these horrible people and they're interesting, but it's like, I don't want to remember these people at yeah. all. I can see why when this film was like about to be released, they're like, we're going to need a sequel. Yeah. And as Hollywood has said, in this case, and in a very rare case, sometimes the sequel can be considered better than the original. So I think, I'm not sure. I think they're both amazing. And not simply because the sequel has Robert De Niro in it. Oh, dear God. Oh, yeah. He plays Vito Corleone as a young man. Holy crap! Yeah, I don't. I, I so don't recommend see this. I so uh, recommend the sequel. It's so good. Well, mm. Eddie, what are we going to do next week, Max? Well, next week we are we are rounding out and uh, tying off a loose end as we bring back trailer trash. Because but we did that. No, no, we talked about we we talked about six tra- was it five or six trailers of movies we were going to see. We have now seen these movies we have oh we yes we have, have. <laughs> so were we right we were wait a minute what no, no yeah sorry we well we will see tune in and find out because now we've seen all the movies and we are going to show yeah, we've eaten the necktie we've eaten the necktie <laughs> and we will discuss did the trailers live up well, did the movies live up to the trailers were the trailers fair depictions were or our can predict- we shake our fists at false advertising yes because of course hollywood will want to know so they can completely revise everything based on our opinions on us as they should hollywood talk to us at yes. maxmikemovies.com <laughs> as you can won't you hmm, thank you think about it hello Thank you. Hello. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. (laughs) 